Hi, thanks for listening to my podcast. Let me introduce you with Jane Milton. I've been working with food businesses for 35 years and now I'm taking you behind the scenes in my business to connect with some of the great specialists, entrepreneurs and producers that we work with to hear how we create strategies that inspire business and how we help them create the perfect teams for specific projects and for their business as it grows so that they can get great results faster and much more cost effectively with our support than they would on their own. I truly believe the food industry in the UK has some of the best people in it and I'm lucky enough to know and work with the very best of those. Let me introduce you to Petra Wetzel. Petra describes herself as a Jerwegian because she came to Glasgow to study in 1994 from Germany and has now made Glasgow her home ever since. Petra and I were introduced by Carolyn Pearson from Maiden Voyage, who had met us both and thought we would get on really well. She was spot on. And after that first coffee five years ago, it seems like we've always known each other. Petra is a tenacious businesswoman who has grown West Beer from the first St Mungo beer that they had in a microbrewery stroke pub to a brand that is on draft bottles and cans all over Scotland and well beyond and who has now retired from the day-to-day of West to give more time to other ventures, among them helping other women grow their businesses. The first thing that I wanted to ask you is how would you describe your job to other people? But you've recently changed even your job. So that's a new description. (laughs) What do you say to people? Well, I I say to people these days that I'm retired. And then they look at me and uh, have like this kind of blank um, shock horror on their face as if to say, how old are you? (laughs) (laughs) And you're not old. And I'm not old. I will be 47 next week. And uh, I actually used to think that that was old when I was like um, 10 years old. But like now I think it's dead young. Yes. So I am officially retired, but I am, I would say, taking a career break to see what I would really like to do as my next move. But I obviously used to run a brewery and loved every minute of it. And I still own that brewery. But I I used to joke that the brewery was successful despite me being there rather than because I was there. So I have... You're just proving that now. I am proving that now by having basically got the most wonderful team in place. We have, we've always had, West has always attracted the most wonderful people. And it's probably the best team that we've ever had in the history of the business. So it's allowing me to step away and maybe find myself, which... I have a feeling that lots of people have tried to do in the last 18 months. So COVID has maybe enabled us to see like what 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 other stuff is there out there in the world that we'd like to do. And I'm probably just one of many who experienced that. And to be honest, too, you have already got other things that you were doing because you were running West Women and helping women in the West of Scotland to supercharge their businesses and helping connect women to other business people that they needed and things so you've been doing that and I know that you've taken a board position as well so but I just think it's it's allowing me freedom to really get into the nitty-gritty of these businesses you know and actually it was it was interesting I met a friend of mine for breakfast in the west end of Glasgow this morning and there was a lady sitting at the table next to us and she said oh I've always wanted to come and speak to you 
and possibly I've never had time to to do these things. So like it, it's allowing me to really dedicate some proper time to other people's businesses, right. and that's that's really what gets me out of bed in the morning. That's still. exciting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So tell us about your journey where you ended up with a brewery. Well, because <laughs> I'm sure you didn't. How long have you got, Jane? Age 12, waking up one morning and thinking you'd start your own brewery. No. So I am German now. Like, I, I always say I'm a Jerwegian. Like, I, I'm a German that now lives in Glasgow. And I've been in Scotland full time since 1994. So I started studying at Glasgow University. And until I was 31, I was actually teetotal, would you believe it? Considering that, you know, I've been running a, a brewery for the last, you know, 13, 14 years. So my dad came to visit and said the beer in Scotland wasn't to his liking. And that kind of set the, the tone. And then in 2006, my son's father and I started West together. I always say that starting that business was the making of me and it's really kind of showed me that, you know, what, what the world is like and what, what, what I'm actually able of, uh, capable of doing. And it's been a, a really kind of steep learning curve because the business was very small and actually started as a completely different business to what it is today. Because yep. it was very much like a, a little kind of brew pub rather than yes. a, a brewery. And now we run two breweries on Glasgow Green and, you know, we distribute to countries outside the UK, although Scotland is still our proud home market and we really love the fact that we now bottle and can things, which we never used to do. So, you know, it, it, it's been an evolution. And I always say that we never had the ambitions of being the biggest brewery in Scotland. We just yeah. wanted to be the best. Good. And so it's been always about making the greatest lagers of, you know, out of the four raw ingredients that we are allowed to brew with, which is, you know, under the German purity law, yep. water malted barley hops and yeast. So we're not adding blueberries or bananas or, you know, heather or whatever it might be. We just basically brew with the ingredients that every good brewery in Germany brews with. Are you sailing to Germany yet? No, because I always say it's like t- taking, it's like, t- was it like selling coals to Newcastle? Newcastle is um, what they say, yeah. You no, know, ice to the Eskimos. I, I, I just think there are so many wonderful breweries in Germany and beer in Germany is really cheap. Yes. I mean, it's it's one of these basic, you know, things that like bread and like potatoes and food. beer. So it's like, yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, well, the, the Germans say that uh, beer is liquid bread. So it's very important that it's like of a, of a price point that, you know, you basically... Everybody can, can buy it. Yes. And in Scotland, obviously, you know, costs have been increasing in the last 18 months in particular. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I was reading in the Times this morning that the price of a pint will go up by 30 pence. And, you know, but if you think about it, if you want a good pint of lager, would you not rather spend a little bit more and have a really lovely pint rather than... And have fewer of them rather than... And have fewer than... of them. So for me, it's all about quality rather than quantity. So it's just been a real learning experience over the last so it's your dad's fault that you have a brewery what did you study oh well when i first moved to scotland i studied politics god knows why art history because i was dating a a boy in berlin at the time who was an art historian i wanted to impress him i did a bit of french i did economics and i did management so i I, kind of a real a really real bag for everything that was ahead of you yeah and growing up what did you think you might want to do? Because I was saying to somebody the other day, I really wanted to be an interior designer. I love architecture. I love good design. I like modern art. I always joke that my little house here in Glasgow is a little bit 
like an art gallery because my mum's uncle was quite a famous painter in Germany and I've got some of his paintings here and uh, and I've just always loved architecture but my dad said that there was no money in it which is why I never studied interior design and now and you I'm, let I, you have a brewery I know <laughs> Oh dear. But uh, so like I, I I probably think that if life had been different, I would have loved to have been an interior designer. And was your dad entrepreneurial? Did you grow up in a family where they were running businesses dad, and things? My dad so. ran his own business, yes. So you'd seen that model and as well. And my mum's an artist, so I think neither of them had particularly conventional jobs. In our family, it was never about having a job that makes you lots of money. It's no. doing something that you enjoy because if I'm you do something well. that you enjoy and you do it well, then it doesn't feel like work. Mm-hmm. And that's been the kind of the motto in our household. And I, I, I have the same, I have a 16-year-old son called Noah and that's exactly how I feel about Noah. It's like, you know, you'd rather do something that pays the bills, but really you, you enjoy doing rather than having this, like I have never had this kind of, you know, Sunday night blues where you go to I bed. Know, you hear folk talking about that. And I think, thank goodness that I don't have and that I, either. I have, I have never had that. And no. I feel truly blessed not to have had that. And so you don't want that for him. That's no. perfectly understandable, I think. What first impression do you hope you give people when you meet them? <laughs> Well, lots of people say, like, as long as you don't get petrified. Um, You know, I I have a lovely friend in the music industry who did a a playlist for me many years ago on one of these, like, little sticks. Yes. And it's titled Petrified. So I'm hoping that they're not petrified. One of those little sticks. That's just another flashback to your tech savviness. Yeah. A USB stick to the rest of us. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. I like meeting new people. I, I think I'm... I'm nosy stroke curious. I would say you're interested. Yeah, there's a, a politer yeah, term for yeah. you. Yeah, and uh, and so I, I I always love meeting people who've got a story to tell, and I probably ask a lot of questions, but I do listen to the answers, so that's quite an important that one. Is. And you know, and I just hope that they think that you know. Um, for I always my, my son who always says, "Mum, you're quite funny." And then there's this dramatic pause for a German. So like, hopefully <laughs> they hopefully they think I've got a sense of humour, you know. <laughs> Which, which which us Germans aren't particularly known for, but hey-ho. But, you know, you and I were introduced by somebody that knew we would get on. So yes. I must say, I think you have got a sense of humour <laughs> because I just, you know, it, from the very first day we met, we've always, it has always felt like I have always known you. And I suspect that that, that is the effect that you have on a lot of people. Oh, that that's very you. kind of you, Jane. Thank no, you. it's true. Um, what do you think makes you different from other people? Well, you know, this is possibly quite a controversial thing to say these days, but I think I could have made a really good man. I like cars. I like motorbikes. I don't wear jewellery. I I don't even own a handbag. I quite like sturdy shoes. (laughs) I, you know, I, I probably am more black and white than most women. So I think what makes me different is that I, I I could have really been a man. Do you find then that you have more, you're able to connect better with men, have more male, better relationships with men in business and things? Well, I think I've never felt like the odd one out no. when I've done business, which is probably quite a nice thing considering that before I 
worked in beer or worked in law and there's lots of male lawyers or were male lawyers in those days and you know the brewing industry is full of blokes I think a lot of the food industry is too at that level and and I mean funnily enough I always remember somebody asking me once how I had got on in such a male-dominated business and I said because until they asked me I had never thought of it as male-dominated you know and I think that's it who cares just get on with it I think it's possibly I've never felt kind of the odd one out. And and the nice thing is that I've always been accepted. And I don't know whether it's because I'm so odd because I'm also German and, you know, I didn't grow up in a brewing environment. So I've been like so the the odd one out that actually I'm I'm kind of like part of the gang. So I've I've never Mm -hmm. ever been, you know, the outsider. Although, you know, when you like get invited to speak at business events, I kind of sometimes suspected that I was a little bit the token female in the room, but they probably invited me because they, they they knew they knew I was um, able to hold my own with the boys rather than being the shrinking violet. So it's possibly one of those. Well, who inspires you? Who do you look at and think, I love the way they do business or either people that you've met or... Well, the first person who really, truly inspired me, sadly, is no longer alive. And that was my grandmother, Betty. And she was not a business person, but she had this way with people that she treated everybody the same, whether they were the president or the cleaner. And so that was a really lovely way to see. And then although he is not my grandmother's son, it's like um, my dad, who basically like it was it was my mum's mum who inspired yeah. me first. And her name was Betty and she was just the coolest woman ever. My dad, really, because my dad is so full of integrity yep. that you cannot but be inspired. So they're two family members. And then there's a, a man who I've been a massive admirer of for many years called Luke Johnson, who runs yep. Risk Capital Partners. And yep. I think, you know, I would consider Luke my friend now. And yes. But he's my friend because, you know, I, I just think he's... It's all about integrity with Luke. It's mm-hmm. all about... he He has such a big brain and he's he's so measured and he's so well read but I just really like the way he analyzes a problem and I I sometimes wish it. I sometimes wish I had the the patience to be as measured as him so I've got lots to learn good but that's that's interesting isn't it it's always good when you can see somebody that you know that you know now sometimes people say too much of something is never enough what would that thing for you be? What is the one thing that you always want more of? Oh, uh, rainbows. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's like you know, like I, I am a total junkie for the outdoors. Mm-hmm. If I could have a job, even if it pays very little money as a park ranger or working somewhere in a forestry environment. I would say dog walker. Uh, yeah, dog walk. <laughs> anything with dogs and nature. Yes. I think you cannot be outside enough. No. And, you know, one of the things I wish I had had as a child, although I had a great nursery, see these outdoor um, forest nurseries yes, that children go to? schools and things I that just, they go to. I just love that idea of, you know, you, there's but no... But, you know, bad... in those days, we all went outdoors, <laughs> you know, which is why we didn't have to have them. Yes. You know, as children in the school holidays and things... We would go off in the morning, come back at tea time. Whosever yes. house you were nearest to would yes. feed you at lunchtime. Yeah. You know, and, and then fear of all sorts of things meant that parents didn't encourage kids to do that. And so they've forgotten how to get thoroughly muddy and 
I love when you see videos on Facebook and things of kids at forest school and they are like swinging through <laughs> some enormous dirty puddle or something and you just think I hope the person that sent them knew what they were coming home like. Yeah, <laughs> and I just think that you can't ever have too much fresh air. No. So I think that that that's possibly my you know. Yeah. It's my it's my drug. I would say is fresh air. Yep, I can understand that. So too much too much fresh air is never enough. That's yes. a good thing. Yeah. This is one that I think you probably do on an everyday basis. People talk about stepping outside your comfort zone is what makes you grow and be successful. And, you know, if you're not prepared to do that, then you'll not ever find anything new that you're good at doing. What do you look back at now that you're surprised that you did do? Well, I think for a start, I rescued a business out of administration in January 2008 that had gone spectacularly bust, you know, with, you know, almost a million pounds worth of debt. And uh, I remember borrowing money to buy it back and, you know, people saying, don't do it. You know, you're just throwing good money after bad money. And I just, in my heart of hearts, knew that I could, there was a better way to do it and I could make this work. But it took real grit, determination and hard work and a bit of blood, sweat and tears and a lot of tears at the beginning to get through this. So, you know, my hero in life is Amelia Earhart. And, yes. you know, she died flying a plane solo. Um, and I'm actually learning to fly a plane at the moment. So, like, I hope I don't have the same fate. But <laughs> I, she said, never interrupt somebody doing what you said couldn't be done. And I kind of have that philosophy. If you say to exactly. me, Petra, you cannot do this. You then, prove me wrong. Then I'll prove you wrong. Somebody said to me that a few weeks. surprise me. A few weeks ago, you will never be able to run a, a marathon. So what did I do the next day? I signed up for the Berlin Marathon next year, and I'm like training for it, having never even run a five k, let alone a blooming marathon. I, I kind of think that's the contrary nature in me. Yep. That if you tell me I can't do something, then I'll prove you wrong. Yeah. What is the thing? And then this is probably the same answer. Then I suspect. What is the one thing you've learned about yourself now that you wish you had realised about yourself earlier? So first of all, I think self-awareness is a wonderful thing when you actually know your flaws, but also what you're good at. Mm -hmm. But the problem I think we have as human beings is just because we're self-aware doesn't mean we can change or slightly mould ourselves to be better. So my son, if you asked him and you probably could have asked him 10 years ago and he would give you the same answer today what's mum's biggest flaw and he says she's the most impatient person you've ever met so I I lose my rack really quickly I calm down really quickly Mm -hmm. but I lose my rack really quickly and I wish I had maybe started moderating that 20 years ago so I'm working on it possibly every day to get more patient because it's not a nice quality and I know it But if I had maybe started my journey on that path a lot sooner, I might be a more patient person already. I know. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got to have something that's not the worst flaw to have because it's also (laughs) what drives you. Yes. You know. But it doesn't. And it's normally, it's the people closest to you that bear the brunt. Mm. So it's, you know, and whether it's in business or in life, that's, it's possibly not a a, a brilliant An easy treat to live with. Yes. Yes. Poor Noah. (laughs) What is the best thing that you've eaten recently? Well, 
I, I had your lunch on the breakfast. No, no, actually, you know, actually, I had quite a nice breakfast this morning. But I was in Spain recently, mm-hmm. and I met lovely friends from Glasgow who um, have a holiday home on the beach there, and we all sat on the beach all afternoon and basically ate every Spanish delicacy and you know, kind of typical food. Yes. All afternoon from mackerel to sardines to fish to paella to oh you name it we yep. ate it and but, it was sunny and warm and it was sunny and warm and we sat on the beach and the company was brilliant and I ju- you know I think food in good company tastes so much better yes. so I would say that's the best thing and that I've was eaten. all probably also very very fresh food it was all fresh it was mm-hmm. all oh, I was just lovely and but the, it was the atmosphere and the people we ate it with if somebody asked you for advice, if they were going to start a business, what would you say the thing that you should get a handle of at the very earliest opportunity is? The thing you can't afford to wait to do later? or The first thing I would say is, are you going into business with your husband and wife? Don't do it. And the second would be, understand how money works. How do you pay people and how do you get paid? Yep. Because cash is king in particular at the moment. Yep. Don't rely on the banks. The banks are all bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> and uh, make sure that your cash flow works because you do not want to be caught no. short. Because cash that's is king. Yep. Most of the best businesses, when they run out of cash, can't survive. No. So I would say get a handle on that. From day one, how do you pay your suppliers? How do you get paid by your customers? And everything else will fall into place. You can learn. Yeah. No, Mm -hmm. that's very, that's wise. What was the last business book or personal development book that you read? Oh, I don't, do you know, I, I, I read, I read the papers, but I couldn't really, and you know, I read all the commentary and stuff, but because I read so much, I don't think there's been anything the book I'm reading at the moment is How to Run a Marathon. And I think the same thing applies to business as to how to run a marathon. Yes. It's not the end game. It's the journey. That's important. And things don't come easy. You have to graft and work at it. I think that counts as a personal development book. <laughs> oh, and I read this lovely book by a German lady called Leah Reek. And she, it's called Got to Go. And it's about how she rode her motorbike. She left a job in fashion in Munich, German lady. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she went around the world on her motorbike and what she learned from that. But it's not like how to run a company. It's no, more like... But, in- but, it's, but it's full of life lessons yes. and things. And it's different from reading a novel or a... Yeah. yeah. But I, I think Vasos Alexander's book, How to Run a Marathon, is a good one. Because it's like, if you don't enjoy the journey of running a business... The end game isn't to sell the business and make millions. No. It's like, how do you have fun every day that you run it? Uh Aha. Monday this week was World Menopause Day. And I know that a while back you told me about a possible link between women drinking beer in moderation and it helping with the symptoms of menopause and other health related things. Can you tell me about that? So you asked me about yesterday being World Menopause Day and how beer has is having an effect on women of a particular age. Well, the simple answer is women of this world, listen up if you're drinking one type of alcohol after the age of 40, make it beer, any type of beer, 
Although Val McDermott thinks IPA is the best one, I don't think it necessarily is. But basically, beer is full of nutrients. In particular, women suffer from osteoporosis in older age and beer is full of stuff. There's a lady called Hilary Jones, who is the expert in this, who could basically tell you all day, every day about the the particular types of nutrients. But there is a really good reason for drinking beer. And that's that basically to do with bone density, apart from the fact that also beer is really good for your hair and your fingernails. But beer in moderation is also good in regulating the mood of a woman at a particular time of the month and in particular in older age. So that is the biggest sales pluck you've ever heard for beer. But trust me, women, this is absolutely gospel and it is true. If you could take three pieces of food to a desert island, what would you take? Bread. I, if you told me I'm gluten intolerant, <laughs> I would just cry. So, so definitely bread, mm-hmm. a, a cheese and tomatoes. Brilliant. Good. Three good things. I, I could eat that for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Cheese, bread and tomatoes. I could eat all day, every day. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's been really good. Thank you very much. <laughs> we got through the tech in the end and we're able <laughs> to record this. So thank you very much for joining us. It's always, you're, you're so full of enthusiasm for everything that you're doing that it's always great to talk to you. So thank you so much, we'll Jane. Lovely to speak to you. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Let me introduce you with Jane Milton. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you don't miss an episode. Please leave a comment to let us know what you've enjoyed or connect to us on social media at Jane Milton Food. If you found it interesting, please share the details with other food businesses you know. We always love meeting new food businesses. See you next episode.